It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Appreciate you being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Exciting time. Uh, getting closer to closer to CPAC, a chance for the Republicans to lick their wounds, get back together, and get a fight plan for 2022 and 2024. The highlight will be the President of the United States speaking on Sunday. This hour, we're going to speak to Senator Joni Ernst, one of the big uh, senatorial winners that allowed it to be possible for the Republicans to hold the Senate. They didn't. They blew it in Georgia, as everybody knows. David Bossy will be here. He's going to be at CPAC presenting it. Pretty much an anti-Biden video, the true story of Biden, who yesterday found out from the Democratic Party they're maneuvering to take the nuclear football from him. Really? Democrats? I can see with Trump they were playing these games nonstop. But what do they know about the president that we should know? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Nobody says the obvious. Teachers unions are totally corrupt and entitled and actively hurting your kids. People don't say that because teachers unions give a ton of money to politicians, to Democrats. But that changed this week, that cone of silence over teachers unions, when Adam Carolla went to war with the L.A. Teachers Union on social media. We're going to hear from Adam Carolla on this. I give him great courage for stepping forward. They're coming after him hard, but he's 100% right. He's not talking as a comedian podcaster. He is talking as a parent of twins. COVID-19 rescue package, by the way, closes in on a vote. We'll bring you the latest as this comedian, Adam Carolla, takes on the teachers union. Uh, Also, we're going to talk about where the rest of the state's uh, parents are in California. And we're going to be talking about the state of the virus. Number two. Brand new allegations of sexual harassment against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo's former aide writing in a brand new essay slamming Cuomo for what she is calling unwanted touching and kissing and accusing the governor of suggesting the pair play strip poker. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's true or not. But the heat is is uh, actually going up on the love gov of New York as those sexual harassment allegations are added to his error-filled, life-costing nursing home policy. Yet Governor Cuomo is in trouble, even if the other networks and the cable networks will not cover it. I've never seen anything like it. Number one. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the, the White House's description of this facility? Well, let me let me give a broader description of what's happening here. Try to, but you can't. The border bungle has the Biden team in crisis mode thanks solely to Joe's immigration policies. There's a huge surge at the border and kids housed Trump style in secure Stark facilities. They're calling outrage on Trump, but here they call it humane. There's no difference except for who's president of the United States. So Jen Psaki was really pushed hard on this yesterday by Fox. That's it. But why would you not be pushing? Look at Axios. Axios writes it up, and they do a good job on it. They say there are 700 kids who have crossed from Mexico to the United States and Texas without their parents. So what do you do? you got to put them in facilities. But if you've been to the border, there's not many facilities. So you put into some buildings that are stark. You put them into some containers. And these kids aren't social distance. They don't have tests. We don't know what kind. Of course, they don't have vaccines. It is a mess. It's not kids in cages, but it's the same facilities. And by the way, kids in cages, 2014, the president was. It's on 
on the tip of my tongue, Barack Obama. And I, you know what? I'm not critical of President Obama. He was trying to shield the kids from the adults, wouldn't you? This is a pandemic. He blew up the Remain in Mexico policy. He decided a 100-day pause, pause on all deportation. He limited the powers of ICE. And you wonder what the message is from Central and South America. It's come one, come all. Here's Lindsey Graham, who was just there, cut four. Well, the worst is yet to come. Uh, the Biden administration's done everything but put a neon sign flashing, come on in. Uh, I was just dumbfounded by what I found at the border. Uh, the asylum seekers are coming again. So what happened in the old system? If you could get one foot, Katie, into the United States and claimed asylum, you would be processed in the United States. You would be released, and your court date would be four years in the future. Nobody would ever show up, ankle braces included. So with these 700 kids waiting to be transferred to shelters, they're overseen by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. More than 200 have been held in these Border Patrol stations. What do you want them to do? We're not asking them to come. I mean, they were interpreting the policies that way. So they come across the border. Do you want what, what the Trump people were doing is turning them right around, setting them back, and then having the remain in Mexico policy so we didn't have to deal with it. But he reversed all that. Mark Morgan cut six. The 11 million is absolutely a lie. And look, whether it's through ignorance or in, in, intention, the people that are continuing to say that are aligned to the American people. Look, MIT and Yale, you talked about the studies. They're not exactly known to be, you know, right-leaning conservative think tanks. And they've got the numbers, you said, between 16 and 29 million. And that's even a, a wide gap. And one of the reasons, let me give you just one stat. For the last 30, 35 years, between 50,000 to 150,000 have gotten past us because our borders are not completely secure. That, that factor alone is not, look, I'm not going to do public math, but think about it. I mean, that's happening constantly as we speak right now. So what he's talking about is an eight-year path to citizenship for people here illegal. And they say it's 11 million. It's, o- it's over 20 million. There's no doubt about it. So that these are the policies which have people running to the border. And you, you created this crisis. Why would Joe Biden do this with all the legitimate problems he has on his plate? And Jen Psaki out there to twist in the wind. Cut to. These kids, we have a couple of options. We can send them back home and do a dangerous journey back. We are not doing that either. That is also putting them at risk. We can quickly transfer them from CBP to these HHS-run facilities. That's one option. Or we can put them with families and sponsors without any vetting. There were some problems that that that, that process ran into as well. We've chosen the middle option. And these HHS facilities, this is one of them you're referring to, we had to expand and open additional facilities because there was not enough space in the existing facilities. And they're looking to put them into families and sponsors here. Uh, It's just such a self-inflicted wound. David Bossie's going to be coming up shortly, and I'll talk about that with him. Uh, I do also want to talk about what's happening with Governor Cuomo because no one else seems to to be covering this huge story. So it turns out there was a rally yesterday for people who want true answers when it comes to this nursing home and the policies he says he wasn't responsible for. He's only guilty of not pushing back on the lies. Well, yesterday, a former aide uh, came out and and filed sexual harassment uh, claims against the governor. Suggested things like they would play strip poker. Uh, Cuomo would go out of his way to touch me on my lower back, arms and legs, she said. Lindsay Boylan is her name. And by the way, she is a uh, liberal Democrat. Governor Cuomo has created a culture within his administration where sexual harassment and bullying is so pervasive that it is not only condoned but expected. 
His inappropriate behavior towards women was in an affirmation that he liked you and you must be doing something right. He used intimidation to silence his critics. And if you dared speak up, he would face off consequences, uh, face you down and you would face the consequences. So when she saw that Ron Kim, the assemblyman Democrat from Queens, was getting berated on the phone, she stepped up and she said he, he was trying to be intimidated and he was taking threats from her. Ron Kim stepped up and so did she step up. I don't know if they're true. But he's on the record of saying that that Justice Kavanaugh should take a lie detector test, right? So why shouldn't he? Not one other network covered this story. Can you imagine this? This is the most high-profile governor in the country who people are hoping would run for president instead of Joe Biden, who got an Emmy, his best friend is Robert De Niro, and nobody covered the story. Of sexual harassment, his approval has gone from 72% to 49%. Here's Penny Nance. She's the CEO of Concerned Women for America. She was on with Shannon last night, 17. This is a matter of, you know, perhaps a governor who is behaving like he was governing in the era of bad men versus in the Me Too movement. And uh, Lindsey Boylan is a young mom, a married woman, who has now told her story, and she said there are others. This is really the, the, a time where the chickens, as they say, have come home to roost for uh, Governor Cuomo. His behavior, his bullying, um, perhaps his lying have, have really played out in the national media, and uh, I hope the love fest is over. Just a reality fest. I don't know who's telling the truth, but I've never heard of ignoring the story. Ignoring the story? How do you ignore that story? I'll come back with uh, David Bossy. What's the president's mindset as he goes to speak on Sunday? He did speak to President Trump, former President Trump. And then David Bossy will talk about Joe Biden and how he's been managing so far and the video he has out. And he's got the Stop uh, Biden Agenda the uh, movie that's out. So he wants to talk about that. Then Senator Joni Ernst about the rescue package that's being jammed down our throats in Iowa's belief that they have to go to school and work their way through the pandemic. What a novel idea. Brian Kilmeade, one third of Fox and Friends, 100% of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations, or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. 
That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Our national strategy is comprehensive. It's based on science, not politics. The president is absolutely committed to reopening schools. I do actually want to debunk this myth that teacher unions, at least our union, doesn't want to reopen schools. Why do you think that the unions in many cases are overruling what the studies show? It's time for Joe Biden to stand up and say the kids are the most important things. But from a scientific standpoint, we know that it's possible to reopen schools safely without all of the teachers being vaccinated. Is it going to be the science or the teachers unions? This is a little of David Bossie's new film, President. He's the president of Citizens United. Uh, the 2016 uh, deputy campaign manager of President Trump played a key role uh, in his attempted reelection. Two-time New York Times bestseller, David Bossie, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So Good I, to be back. Uh, on FoxNews.com, they have an exclusive on this, uh, on this film that you have out. Tell us about it. Well, Brian, what it is is it's, it's a one-stop shop, really. It, it, it's a lot of video, uh, but it's, it's a place where the American people can finally find a place to fight back against this radical agenda of Joe Biden's. That's what this is about. This is about stopping uh, what this fun, what he calls Biden calls fundamentally transforming America. And, and 75 million people did not vote for that on Election Day. And that's what we're trying to bring about. We're trying to say, look, we need to get past uh, this election uh, and put it behind us and start focusing on fighting back against this radical agenda of AOC and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. You also so it's a series of videos. Here's another one. It, cut 45. It's one thing that the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office. Joe Biden getting his COVID-19 vaccine. Pfizer is shipping out the first doses of the coronavirus vaccine as we speak. Most vaccines take at least five years to develop. Some take decades. This one took less than a year. So you want him to stop lying. He's all over the place. He said there was the cupboard <laughs> was bared, uh, that there was no vaccine. And he's not being asked about this. No, the media, look, that, that's part of what our overall effort is about. 
Brian, and it's exactly right. The media covers Joe Biden's cozy fires in the fireplace in the Oval Office, early bedtimes for Joe Biden, and playing video games with his grandkids, which is perfectly nice. But that's not what they did for Donald Trump. That's not the same coverage that they gave. They did not ask any tough questions of Joe Biden. They have not, and they will not. And so it's a tale of two of two presidencies. It's a tale of media real corruption. And that's what that's what we're trying to point out. And we're going to continue to point it out. And that's why folks should, you know, go visit uh, and read the Fox News article today uh, and go visit StopBidenAgenda.com uh, because it's, it's really the one-stop shop where the American people are going to have a tool mm-hmm. and many tools there to fight back. Seven senators voted for the president's impeachment, former president's impeachment, uh, 10 congresspeople. Uh, Mitch McConnell ripped him after voting not to have him impeached, and Liz Cheney uh, famously did. Do you feel as though in the president's hour-long address at CPAC Sunday, he will take aim at those Republicans? Well, I think he should. I think this is, a, this is an opportunity for the president to really set the record straight from his worldview, to tell the American people, to, to talk to the folks at, attending CPAC, which is where we're launching this effort, uh, to, to uh, it, what transpired on Election Day. And I think there's, there's no question that he will revisit the massive mail-in ballot fraud that perpetrated this election. He, he, you know, and I think he will talk about those Republicans in the sham, election, in the sham impeachment that voted against him. Uh, and he should, because while while Joe Biden is ramming through, you know, uh, killing the Keystone pipeline and reversing his immigration policies, America, you know, we have the American people watching Republicans, Adam Kinzinger and others voting to impeach this president a second time for nothing. And so that's he didn't he wasn't responsible for what happened on that day. And, 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 and I think the American people recognize that, especially after no facts or evidence were were, were uh, presented, uh, you know, during an impeachment. There was no, there were no hearings in the House. It was a total political fraud. But David, you think it's, uh, but, but do you, you know, there's not enough Republicans in the country to win an ele- a presidential election, let alone if you fracture the party, right? That's right. You're about winning. That's exactly. Right. And if it's I about am. winning, it's, it's got to be about uniting. So how do you, how do you unite? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Look, first of all, I think if we unite around core central conservative principles, uh, we're going to uh, be incredibly stronger in in the future, in the 2022 cycle and 2024. So we focus on the public policy that brings us all together, that really got Donald Trump elected in 2016. Let's just put, put you know, that's a fundamental fact because he got elected. And then in 2020, he brought 75 million Americans together. So to your point, we can't win in the future if we don't do that again. And so focusing on the policy, number one, and number two, focusing on being against everything that Joe Biden is for. We have to focus like the Democrats did. Look, we have to do what they did to us for four years, what they did to Donald Trump. They never let him have a minute to breathe. They never let him have a honeymoon period. They never let him you, Get, and uh, you're not exact, uh, and you're not exaggerating, David. You really aren't, because there, I, no. I do, doing this show every day. There was not one time there wasn't there wasn't some type of controversy. Listen to what Mitt Romney said the other day. Will President Trump continue to play a role in my party? I, I'm sure he will. He, he has by far the largest voice and a big impact in my party. I don't know if he'll run in 2024 or not, but if he does, 
I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he will win the nomination. Uh, do you think he'll run, and do you think if he does, he'll win the nomination? You know, I think President Trump uh, is is clearly thinking about that. I think we're I think he's going to be focused on some of the things I just talked about, which is stopping Issues. bad yeah. policy. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Stopping bad policy. If he stops bad policy uh, and helps win the House and Senate back in 2022, the president, the former president now, will be in a position to make that decision after the midterm elections, and I think that's what he's looking at. Don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be out there participating, trying to win elections, trying to trying to get involved in the legislative process, and in, in, in really instilling himself as the leader of the Republican Party, which all former presidents are. But I think that he's, he's got some time to think about that. We'll see. So, uh, David, it's going to be an interesting speech, but you're also going to see Tom Cotton, Mike Pompeo, yeah. uh, Senator Mike Lee. So it's going to be a, a time for uh, CPAC to readjust. Without Rush Limbaugh, your thoughts about Rush's passing? Uh, you know, it, it is uh, it's a heavy toll on conservatives like me. Uh, you know, I grew up listening to Rush uh, on a daily basis. He was a thought leader. People, you know, on the left especially dismissed him uh, mm. because they wanted to marginalize him. But but Rush Limbaugh, hey, David, was I think there'll be a big tribute. To, yeah, there'll be a big tribute to CPAC Forum. David Bossy, look I forward think- to your series of videos. Go to foxnews.com and read his column today. Thanks, David. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Neera Tanden would be a superb budget director. She'd be one of the most outstanding budget directors we've had. She knows policy. Uh, she's a great candidate for the job. And certainly we're fighting our guts out to get her confirmed. If Neera Tanden is not confirmed, she will not become the budget director. We will find some other place for her to serve the administration that doesn't require Senate confirmation. But let me be clear. We're going to get Neera Tanden confirmed. That's what we're working for. Ron Klain, chief of staff for President Biden, trying to get Neera Tanden confirmed as OMB director without any discernible, even though she's probably very talented and smart, went to an Ivy League school, no really budgetary experience before, and has spent the last few years just taunting people through her tweets. She had to quickly delete about 1,000, but a lot of the damage was done. She went after Lisa Murkowski. Uh, she, has, she went after Susan Collins. She went after Ted Cruz. She went after Bernie Sanders, uh, continuing to mock people, and it came back to bite her to the point where Joe Manchin said, not the right pick, putting pressure on Republicans. Only one, and you need to keep all the Democrats, obviously, only one, and then she gets passed. If not, she fails and she gets yanked. They already delayed the vote once. Joining us now, Senator Joni Ernst, Armed Services and Small Business Committee uh, member. Uh, Senator, welcome back. 
Hey, Brian. Great to be with you. Thank you. I never congratulated you on your win. They said one of the key things to hold in the Senate was winning Iowa. And, Senator, you came all the way back and won another six years. So I did not think you'd be in the minority if you had won. Are you surprised? Oh, I I am surprised. I'm disappointed, of course. Um, We are in a 50-50 situation in the United States Senate, which does make it tougher now. I hate the word minority, um, but that's what we are because of the tie-breaking vote coming from uh, the vice president. Uh, But we're going to fight our way back, and I think it's imperative that we either capture the, the Senate back again in two years or that we flip the House. And I think both are doable. Yeah, they both. Uh, Senate will be hardy. I think he's defending 20 seats. Yep. But let's talk about the big thing at hand. Neera Tandon, who just uh, just a, a cat, uh, just a just sat there in as a, almost a pundit for the last two years. She's taking shots at everybody. And it came back to bite her. Are you voting for or against her? Oh, I am voting against her. I make no bones about that. And we, you ran through the list of people that she has targeted through her tweets. You know, I've been subjected uh, as a target of her tweets as well. Um, I don't know of many people that probably haven't been a subject of her tweet. She's an extreme partisan. And isn't that something that President Biden was trying to get away from? You know, he said he was going to be this bipartisan president, the president for all Americans, and yet he is nominating some of the most divisive figures that we have have seen. Um, So you said that she's gone after uh, Bernie Sanders. She's gone after, you know, Republicans, too. So at least she's an, an equal opportunity slammer. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And he says if he does not get through, he's going to put her in a place where it doesn't get voted on. Why do you think Mm -hmm. he's fighting so hard to get her through? Because she is an extreme partisan, Brian. And again, you know, the, uh, President Biden had some very nice words on Inauguration Day. But all we have seen thus far from this administration is that they are bowing to the demands of the far left. Um, we've seen that through the executive orders that he has rolled out. We've seen it on his actions with immigration and electric vehicles and, you know, so many of these issues. We're going to see it next week in the Senate as they try and cram a COVID relief package at $1.9 trillion down our throats. And so we're just not seeing bipartisanship. And I think that's why he's sticking with some of these just far leftist individuals. Yeah, I I guess so. But what they're doing is when things get tough, uh, uh, claim bias. So Xavier Becerra, who I think is much more dangerous than Neera Tandon, mm-hmm. he wants to get rid of private insurance. Uh, you could have abortion at any moment. It's not going to bother him. Mm-hmm. He says he's there just to build up Obamacare, and he doesn't care if it's 80% of the country has private insurance. Uh, it doesn't bother him at all. I just look at some of his radical views, and he's got no experience uh, to run the HHS. Wouldn't you want a doctor there or somebody who's been the CEO of a medical unit or company? But no. Absolutely. Listen to what they're saying now, because Bashira. I guess is Hispanic and near attendance Asian, uh, Hakeem Jeffries. Well, um, uh, Biden's nominees are being targeted by some of the Senate for their radical views. No, they're all happen to be people of color. Is that a coincidence? Uh, Senator Alex Padilla, Bashir and I throughout our careers have too often been only Latinos in the room. Sadly, Xavier and I are not unfamiliar with being held to different standards. Eric Swalwell, I just can't wait to get, get a look at this. I represent one of the largest Indian-American commit districts in the U.S. How do I look at what's happening to Neera Tanda and tell little girls of South Asian descent that 
they'll have the same opportunities in life as white men? The answer, I can't, and it's a shame. Does race and ethnicity have anything to do with your feelings? No, it doesn't. And I'm just going to throw, you know, right back in their face. Um, I, how many of them supported Ben Carson? I'm sorry. And the fact that they are bringing this into into question, no, we're, we're vetting candidates, these nominees, and we're looking at their qualifications, their policies, and in the case of Becerra, the radical, radical views that he has. And are they appropriate for the positions that they have been nominated for? That's what I look at. Um, so, yes, when we're talking about partial birth abortion, when we're talking about getting rid of private insurance, those are policies that I disagree with. It's not the individual. It is the policies. You know, and there are times I have been the only woman in the room. But you know what? I can be a subject matter expert, and I'm not going to fall back and say I wasn't selected because of my gender. I wasn't chosen because of my gender. Um, you need to know your topic. You need to know the policies at hand, and, and they have to be the right policies. Otherwise, I'm not going to right. support my colleagues are not going to support. Senator Joni Ernst with us now. So, Senator, I want you to hear, this is what worries me most. Uh, Neera Tandon, yeah, a little bit. I don't think she's worthy. I think if you're going to spend three years just berating people on on social media, I don't think you're mature enough for this job. Then you have to delete a thousand, do you have to delete a thousand tweets? I think you're going for the wrong confirmation or shouldn't be at all. But mm-hmm. here's, this is the exchange that bothers me. Here's the guy that's going to be an HSS uh, secretary, cut 33. What assurances can you give to Americans who currently have private insurance that they will not lose their coverage in the future to some sort of Medicare for all approach or other uh, federal takeover of insurance, I mean, excuse me, of health care? We will both agree that the most important thing is to give everyone in this country coverage, good coverage. And what I will tell you is I'm here at the pleasure of the president of the United States. He's made it very clear where he is. He wants to build on the Affordable Care Act. That will be my mission to uh, achieve the goals that President Biden put forward. How hard is it to say, I will not touch your private insurance? How hard is it to say that? Yeah, not hard at all. And I would say that many of our folks across the United States, certainly in Iowa, have employer-provided health insurance, and they love those plans. And here is someone who wants to strip that away from them and throw them into, you know, throw them into the pot with everyone else. And and so it's just, it's a bad situation. Again, it's a policy difference. And so we, of course, are rejecting on those grounds that we have policy differences. It's not the gender. It's not the color of the skin. It is policy differences. Senator, uh, your fellow Iowa senator, Chuck Grassley, still considering voting for Neera Tandon. Why? Well, I think he's uh, holding out. We'll see uh, what he gets for those uh, those discussions. But I, I don't know that in the end he will be supportive, but that's a decision that he will have to make. I certainly will not be supporting her. So what do you think about these immigration policies uh, that, uh, at our border? 
Get rid of the Remain in Mexico. A oh hundred day pause on all uh, all deportations. When it comes to ICE, we're going to strip you of a lot of your enforcement policy. We're going to stop building the wall, even if it means paying a huge penalty for breaking contracts. And the result is a surge at the border in Texas and in Arizona. And there's real fear that this administration doesn't know what they just created, as well as putting kids in 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 uh, housing that he claimed that Democrats claimed when Donald Trump did it were mm-hmm. putting kids in cages. What's your take yeah. on that, Senator? Uh, well, Brian, I'm staring out my window at a wall around the Capitol complex. So uh, it was, uh, you know, a matter of years ago that Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, said that a wall on our southern border was basically immoral. And here we have, you know, those that want to keep this wall up around our nation's capital to protect themselves. Uh, And yet we're throwing open our southern border to allow anyone to stroll into our country. Never mind gun trafficking. Never mind human trafficking. Never mind the influx of drugs uh, that we will have into the country coming across the border. I would say an open border is immoral and hurts the lives of our American citizens. Uh, We saw the rollback coming from President Biden of so many of the immigration policies that were put into place by President Trump. And President Trump had put into place a number of policies that mirrored my bill, which was Sarah's Law, honoring a young Iowa woman who was killed by an illegal immigrant. And President Biden has rolled that back. Um, So we see him undoing some really great strides forward, which protected American citizens. And, you know, I can't I can't agree with the policies I see being put forward. You know, critical. Right. I look when kids come across the border. There's no four seasons at the border. There's not a Marriott with open beds. You have to put them in facilities. But we didn't ask him to come across the border. They're crossing illegally. I'm not saying they should be criminalized, but they got to be sent back. So there's 700 yeah. kids waiting to be transferred to shelters overseen by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Those kids, when viewed by Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, were, were characterized this way. The United States is running concentration camps on our southern border. So what's the difference now? Well, I, yeah, and and I do think that at least AOC still views it pretty much the same way as when she did in the Trump administration. Yeah, she said something very similar um, about Joe Biden. You're right. Yes, and but I, I have been down there. I did visit our southern border during the Trump administration. I did go see um, those immigrants, illegal immigrants that had crossed the border and were being uh, held in these holding um, holding facilities. And I went with James Lankford. I went with Bill Cassidy. We went down. I mean, people were not running away from the folks at Customs and Border Patrol. They were running to them saying, take us take us. Um, but uh, President Trump really made some good pushes forward, either holding yeah. those immigrants in Mexico 
which he had an agreement with Mexico to do that. That was pretty darn fantastic. Um, but, you know, it's just – it's so different now. And, again, it's hypocritical of the Biden administration. They're pretty much doing the same thing in those in those holding facilities as what President Trump was doing. But Trump was demonized by the left for doing that. But now, all of a sudden, uh, it's okay. Um, but the policies that we see coming from President Biden in the area of immigration, again, like with anything else, is just far leftist um, aspirations to open the border, to stop the border wall from being constructed. Um, but again, I see great hypocrisy when right. we put a wall up around the Capitol complex to protect our members. Um, from American citizens, come on, and yet we we won't continue building the wall at our southern border, like where where I said we have human trafficking, we have guns entering illegally, we have drugs that are impacting my Iowa constituents. Um, but that Senator, I guess is okay. Real quick, uh, uh, I, real so quick, wrong. I was going to get your take on: uh, Do you want uh, the president's going to be making a major speech on Sunday? Among the people who think that if he ran again, he'd get the nomination is Mitt Romney. Among those who says he wouldn't are Liz Cheney uh, and Mitch McConnell and shouldn't. Where does Senator Joni Ernst stand about the future of President Trump, former President Trump? Well, I think if, the, if uh, President Trump wants to engage, that certainly is his right to engage. And I think that he still da- does have a number of followers across the United States. But I would say, too, that there are a lot of extremely talented and up-and-coming Republicans that certainly could fit the bill quite well moving forward. So I'm reserving any, any personal judgment. But if the President, want, President Trump wants to move forward with that, again, absolutely, he's got a lot of great followers out there, but we have a lot of up-and-coming talent, too, that I, I hope right. is able to engage. Senator Joni Ernst, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right. one 408 7669 It's your turn to talk next. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first. Only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I got... 14-year-old twins that have been sitting in their La Cunada mansion rotting for the last year, and they're supposed to start high school, and they've never started high school, and it's abundantly clear what's going on now. The people that tell you to follow the science are ignoring the science, so I just realized we're going to have to buck up. I mean, they're ice sculptures. They're not going anywhere. They're frozen. And we need to step up and people need to rise up and start telling these heroes to start doing their job again. Yeah, the teachers, uh, that's who he's referring to. And that is Adam Carolla, a funny guy, but as a parent, he's, he's taking it serious. He said, based on the data available, everybody saw it, everybody read it. In-person learning has not been associated with substantial community transmission. The COVID cases incident rates among children and adolescents have risen, have risen over time. This, tends, uh, this trend uh, observed among adults increases in case incidents among school-age kids and school reopenings do not appear to predate in 
increases in community transmission. On average, the infection rate grows 1% for kids that go to school. So get them to school. When, the, when he tweeted that out, he tweeted out, L.A. teaches you that don't go back to work or are cowards. Those are the only two options left. Teachers are working, uh, Adam Carolla, they wrote back, but congrats to being spared on the devastation our communities face. The communities we serve have COVID-19 levels 15 times greater than those in your wealthy La Canada neighborhood. And Carolla tweeted back, teachers are working. Um, he wrote, who is the coward? Uh, he, they went on to say, who is the coward? Who dare confront government officials and powerful business to fight for the health of uh, students? And who can just sit safely in your mansion criticizing? And he wrote back, um, he wrote back, I am now going to throw out, uh, and they wrote back, they went on to say, a proud public school teacher, I proudly place your books in the trash. I regret spending any of my money on them supporting you. Kroller replied, I am now going to throw out all of your textbooks. He added, thanks for fighting for the health of students. Keep up the good work. I am now going to throw out all of your textbooks. They want to also call for the boycotting of his sponsors. Do you believe that? He's a podcaster, comedian, wants his kids back in school because the science says they should, and that's how aggressive they are. They got to get back to school. They're doing it all across the country. They should be embarrassed. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for listening. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen anytime, anywhere. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Uh, she's one of these doctors who understands that life is full of risks. Here are the risks. I'd like to live my life, please. Unlike Dr. Fauci, who wants to shut your life down. Uh, so that's going to be good. We're also going to be joined by Andrew McCarthy, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney, president of the United States, and know they're probing into his businesses, personal tax returns, as well as his sons. What kind of trouble is he in? Speaking of trouble, what about Andrew Cuomo? Uh, is he in trouble? Just because the networks don't cover it, including the cable networks, does it mean it doesn't exist? The answer is no. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Nobody says the obvious. Teachers unions are totally corrupt and entitled and actively hurting your kids. People don't say that because teachers unions give a ton of money to politicians, to Democrats. But that changed this week, that cone of silence over teachers unions, when Adam Carolla went to war with the L.A. Teachers Union on social media. Yeah, and they try to uh, get rid of his sponsors in turn. He has twins that want to go to school. COVID-19 Rescue Package closes his on a vote. We'll bring you the latest as a comedian, podcaster, Adam Carolla, does what few celebrities are willing to do in Hollywood, take on the teachers unions because he sees his kids wasting away. What, why is, what is taking so long with the rest of the states? Number two. Brand new allegations of sexual harassment against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo's former aide writing in a brand new essay slamming Cuomo for what she is calling unwanted touching and kissing and accusing the governor of suggesting the pair play strip poker. 
Well, there you go. That's Sandra Smith yesterday. The heat is on the so-called love gov of New York as sexual harassment allegations are added to his era-filled, life-costing nursing home policies. Yes, Governor Cuomo is in even bigger trouble than you would imagine. But the networks, any of them, none of them, cover it. Number one. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the, the White House's description of this facility? Well, let me, let me give a broader description of what's happening here. Let's do that. The broader bungle, uh, the border bungle, has the Biden team in crisis mode thanks solely to Joe's immigration policies. There's a huge surge at the border and kids housed in Trump style in, uh, in Trump style in a secure, stark facility as outrage builds, even on the left. It's easier to be a pundit, perhaps, than a president. But first. Now it is time to clear the airwaves of the Brian Kilmeade Show for the original receptive voice. That is the stupidest line I've ever heard. I don't know why they keep using it. Uh, what should we call you, Mr. Wallace? I'd like once in my life somebody to say Chris Wallace oligarch. The man who sat with Vladimir Putin. The man who vacations in Russia. The man who calls George Clooney a friend. Chris Wallace oligarch. You know, there's something to be said for the classics. It is. The, the golden <laughs> oldies. It's a classic. I know. Uh, because oligarch is something that we didn't think really existed in modern America and doesn't. However, Vladimir Putin has brought it back. It, well, and I, I, it does exist in uh, modern America because you're talking to it. Right. That's a good point. Hey, let me ask yeah. Chris. I never asked you this. Yes, sir. When you're looking at Vladimir Putin— does he is he trying to intimidate? Trying to intimidate? Does he intimidate you? Number one, does he have that that sense of of aura around him? Intimidation? Um, no. I, look, part of it is, you know, it's not my first rodeo. I've, I've interviewed a lot of people now, Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin, but I've interviewed a lot of dictators and and tough guys. And you know, it's not like you're by yourself with a guy. It's not like you're in. Uh, some prison in in Russia, I'd be definitely intimidated then. You're in a room with a camera crews and stuff. I suppose that wouldn't protect me very much in the Russian embassy in Helsinki. I will say this, though. This is a funny story. So, you know, he has these ice-cold blue eyes, and, and you certainly notice those. I mean, he's not warm and fuzzy. There's no question about it. But a year after it was over, I was talking to Scott Wilder, one of one of our great producers, and he had been there on the site. And he said to me, you know, when you were asking those tough questions, did you notice his heel? And I said, no, I was focused on his eyes. He said, as you were asking him, like, why do people who uh, oppose you end up dead? He said he kept grinding his right heel into the rug like he wanted to <laughs> squash you like a bug. Now, if I had noticed that, I might have been a little intimidated. Fortunately, I didn't. Right, you didn't. Uh, that was. Uh, I just find it, him to be uh, pretty ruthless. And what he's done to his latest opposition leader is something he seems to be getting away with. Navalny first tries to kill him by poisoning him, and then jails him for not showing up for his probation hearing because he was recovering from being poisoned. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, that's not even so a good a, plot. Here's the interesting question. But Navalny knew all this, and he was safe and sound in Germany. I know. And he went back to Russia to face the music and basically to say to the, you know, the opposition in Russia, I'm with you. We're all together. We're going to stand up against this guy. So here's the question, Brian Kilmeade. If you were in that situation, right. would you have left the security of a, of a third country to go back to 
Russia to go. And, and I'm told that the food in Russian prisons and the cable reception are not good. Cable is not good. Uh, that would be trouble. Is not the food I'm not worried about. But the cave without cable, I don't think I'd go to a Russian prison. So I would not go back. Okay. I'm just saying, without cable, it, it would be very hard to pass the time. Uh, and, and, and the showers, apparently, it's ice cold water, too. Hmm. See, as far as I'm concerned, if the food's okay, you got good TV, and, uh, and you've got a nice hot shower, I, I think I could do prison time. But without those three, forget it. Right. Uh, in Russia, by the way, and they're always, they have always very st- uh, strict international rules and regulations. So on another note, uh, <laughs> outside talking for Russian prisons, uh, let's talk about Governor Cuomo and what has happened over the last two weeks. Were you surprised that somebody could come out with sexual uh, harassment allegations to the most high-profile <laughs> governor in the country? Her name is Lindsey Boylan, and she's a liberal Democrat. Uh, she said, Governor Cuomo has created a culture with his administration where sexual harassment and bullying is so pervasive that it is not only condoned but expected. And she has specific allegations against him. This is the second time she's come out after it's been admitted and confirmed, I guess, not denied by the governor himself, but uh, that Ron Kim, a fellow Democrat, was berated and threatened. So, oh, that's interesting. Um, I must have done something to alert. Uh, all of a sudden, I went on some uh, some Skype call. Do you know what happened, Eric? Yeah. I was oh, getting a Skype boy. Call. And ladies and gentlemen, you're about to hear uh, that sweet, fuzzy Brian Kilmeade turn ugly, jump ugly on his audience. Eric and Allison are in huge trouble. And, and, and I promise you, after this show ends, after this segment ends, Ron Kim, the, the Cuomo-Kim phone call, will be a, lo- a valentine compared to what Kilmeade does to his staff. True, but that was something I told you behind the scenes. I didn't, I want people to have a certain perception of me, and you're blowing it. We know, we know you. We know you. You jump ugly on your staff. Well, because well, let's say I'm mad about something else. What am I supposed to do? Take it out on somebody that can that is higher up than me and hurt my career? I'd rather take it on people that need the job. Okay, there, ladies and gentlemen, the real Brian Kilmeade. Right. So, how could this story be out, and no network or cable network covered except Fox? Uh, it, I mean, I, I think it's a real story. I think the whole Cuomo story is a real story, first of all. And most importantly, what he did in terms of seniors and the fact that, that more of them may have died because of this, which seems crazy decision to, to tell them, you know, you, they're in hospitals. I understand the concern about hospitals being overwhelmed, but to put them back in nursing homes where, one, they're not going to get as good a care, and, two, there's a real possibility that they're going to spread the virus, and you had a lot of deaths in nursing homes, to the question of the, of, of the cover-up that, you know, his own Democratic attorney general says that they didn't uh, reveal all the information. Then his top assistant, this Melissa DeRosa, uh, admits in a phone call <laughs> that they froze and didn't give the information, and now this woman I don't know. I mean, it's 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 a ba- a bad few weeks for for the governor, and uh, I am surprised that the mainstream media seems to be giving him such a pass. All right, uh, it's unbelievable too. Here's Ron Kim yesterday. Cut twelve. We're asking governor to immediately return all the hospital and nursing and lobbyist money, over two million dollars that it took for so for over the last few years. 
immediately rescind and repeal that toxic corporate immunity that led to more debts, turn over all the communication with the lobbyists to the press, to the journalists, and to the public, so we know exactly what you did. And lastly, we're dropping a letter to Congressmember Jerry Nadler to open up a congressional oversight hearing on this matter. So, do you think he will? <laughs> uh, no, of course, of course he won't. You know, this this a whole question of the sexual harassment gets back to what we all saw with Brett Kavanaugh, which was you saw liberal Democrats because this was a conservative Republican who was going to be on the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, say if uh, acu- women accusers must be believed, which I always thought was a really crazy standard. I think they should be listened to. I think you, they should be investigated, but you can't just say because somebody says something, they should be believed. You don't know whether Lindsey Boland's telling the truth about Andrew Cuomo. I don't know, but it's certainly worth investigating. But, uh, you know, these when it was conservatives, liberals would say they must be believed. Now, when it's liberals, well, not so fast. And, and you know, they've kind of created this situation for themselves. Hey, uh, Chris, I'm going to put this under things I never thought would happen. I never thought I was going to see Haley's comment. I never thought there was going to be a probe on Mars that would land with a helicopter. And there's a couple other things I never thought would happen. Uh, that I would come out uh, uh, against Anthony Fauci and his ridiculous constraints on people after they're vaccinated have Brian Williams play my clip in front of Dr. Osterholm, who's on Biden's COVID team, and get this answer. Let's relive that moment on a network we don't watch. I want to play something for you from Fox News this morning that people are thinking about because they're trying to figure out how to live their lives in the post-vaccine world. I'll ask your opinion on it on the other side. Mike, parents are 80 years old. They got vaccinated. Can they go see their grandkids? You know what the answer is? Yes. You know why? Because you just explained to him the vaccine's 94 percent effective. The chances of a kid getting it and being uh, falling ill are are infinitesimal. Michael, is he right or wrong? I think he's right. Uh... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, let me look out the window. I think pigs are flying. Or maybe it's uh, Christmas in July. What the heck? Michael Osterholm on the Brian Williams show says Brian Kilmeade's right. Wow. And you then, know what they say, a broken <laughs> clock is right twice a day. But do you believe I'm right? Do you see your grandkids? Well, you know, here, look, this is a, a personal issue for me because, because I'm so old, I got my second vaccine yesterday. I am vaccinated up. Uh, and, and I'm wondering exactly the same issue because I am dying. I've seen my, I see my kids, my grandkids, but they're masked. I'm masked. They're six feet away. And, you know, I want to hug them. They don't want me to hug them. They, they, they think I smell funny, but I want to hug them. And, it, you know, it's a huge question. It's not. Um, you should hug them. I mean, what other vaccine uh, is 95% effective? Have you ever taken it in your life? What, if someone told you whatever you do, your 95% chance it's going to work, you would take that bet any moment. You have more of a chance. Hop on a New York subway. That's more of a bet. So why won't why won't Fauci say that? That would make me feel better. It's ridiculous. Yeah, other doctors what? are. He he's so overrated. I I don't want you to have him on anymore. No, he can't say that. He's it's, come on. Um, I, I'll tell you, people. I don't think you should have him on anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> so I want you to hear. So that was a compliment. Bobby Moynihan plays me on SNL when they used to mock me on SNL. He was asked yes. about me. Here's what he said. 
did you ever hear from the people who you impersonated or did you ever have any strange interactions with people who, who you, who you played on the show? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Brian Kilmeade tried, he like sent me a signed book and I'm not a fan. Uh, you didn't read I'm it. I'm not a fan at all. Um, no, he said a lot of terrible things. Uh, yeah, he's just, I'm not, I, I don't even wish to speak of him. <laughs> <laughs> so who's right? I think in that particular, I think Osterholm was right, and I think Bobby Moynihan was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did honestly. You did say terrible things about Bobby Moynihan. You said that he was fat and dumb, and that you didn't like being portrayed that way. Did you not? No. Well, he was playing me as fat and dumb, and I said, "I'm not fat." That's what I said. <laughs> well, I know. So basically, you're saying he was fat. He is. He's a hundred pounds overweight. Oh, my God. And then you wonder why he maybe he's not a fan of yours. Oh, okay. You're better at human relations than I am. I just wanted to play that out with you. Why? I'm a little surprised you played that. Who was it that interviewing him? Who Do we know, Eric? Who was he talking to? It was some podcast. Oh, here we go. Here we go again. Daily Beast. The Daily, the Daily some Beast. Some reporter from the so, Daily Beast. So you really did send him a book? Yeah, I thought, you know what? Uh, send him a book, see if he wants to come on. And I never heard from him. But now I know. Well, you know the Why did you want him to come on to say, I'm actually a nice guy? <laughs> May I say, say something, This, and I'm not trying to be psychological. You like people's approval. You do not like to be disliked, and it hurt you <laughs> that you thought he was playing you in a certain way. It, what was it about your childhood that makes you seek people's approval? Uh, Dr. Wallace, I just don't, I can't afford, uh, and plus I haven't uh, satisfied my deductible yet, so I cannot I'm afford so, these I'm, hourly I'm sorry, rates. Our time is up here. We'll, we'll have to get to All this right. next week. Chris, we're up against it, but I'm going to make sure to watch Fox News oh, Sunday. Yeah, real quick, Rick Scott. We're going to have Rick Scott on, senator, head of the Republican senatorial committee about CPAC, Donald Trump, civil war and the GOP, Fox News Sunday. All right, good. He also is in disbelief that there's no intelligence that, that says you should put a wall up around the Capitol. So please bring that up. Chris Wallace, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Back in a moment. Celebrating 10 years. Wait, has it really been that long? As usual, you've made it all about yourself. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Both Attorney General Becerra and I, throughout our careers, have too often been the only Latino in the room. Sadly, Javier and I are not unfamiliar with being held to different standards. Yeah, that is the new senator to go for Kamala Harris in California, talking about being Hispanic and how tough it is, as if uh, Bashera, who's the AG in California, that's the reason why he's having trouble with Republicans. He can't commit to keeping private insurance. He's going to make Obamacare more important than ever. He has late-term abortion, as until almost the moment of birth he will not back off of. That's the reason you could go back on your ethnicity, but it diminishes everybody else who's got legitimate complaints. Al, you're listening on KDWN in Las Vegas, Al. Hey, how you doing? Uh, hey, uh, thank you for taking my call, Brian. Uh, listen, you know, I'm Latino, uh, conservative, heavily duty, heavy, heavy on Trump. That's the only reason I'm here. 
And I wanted to say that um, you said two things. You said and your guest said two things that are very important. There's not enough Republicans to win the um, uh, the uh, presidency. And the other guy was saying that we got to focus on core values. Core conservative values are God, um, uh, freedom, a job, um, uh, uh, and also uh, anti-abortion and um, uh, and a safe economy. Now, I claim that we only need about 20% more of the Latino vote. We need right. about 30% even from Ronald Reagan's time. I've been doing my research, and those are the, exactly the core values of Latinos. Yeah, you know, Al, you're so smart, and you are right. Hispanic vote approved under Trump, no doubt about it. They need more, and they need suburban women. He lost white males, edu- white educated males, too. He's got to find a way to do all that, and it's not that tough. you got to get coherent on your message, and you can't have a fracture in your party. So smart. Thanks, Al. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's hard not to analogize to Al Capone because you have major story of 500,000 deaths, many of those preventable. And what we're talking about now is whether a financial criminal case can be brought against the former president. Remember, now they not only will get these documents, they've brought in an outside accounting firm that will help them go through those documents. And they've also brought in an outside lawyer. So they really have the right team in place. They will now have the right documents. And we need to all wait and see. And that is Andrew Weissman, the brains behind the Mueller operation, if there were brains there. Uh, Mueller was just a figurehead, clearly. And he was saying, Al Capone, really? So he believes the president's responsible for 500,000 deaths and they're going to get him on taxes? And then what he went on to say after that, it shows uh, Cyrus Vance is of, of determined to take out a former president for things that happened before he was president. Andrew McCarthy joins me now, Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for Southern District of New York. And you read his columns all over FoxNews.com. Andrew, could you take on what Andrew Weissman said? Do you, do you buy the uh, Capone analogy? No, it's, it's silly. And, you know, Andrew Weissman used to be a serious person. Um, the uh, Eastern District of New York, where he worked, did serious organized crime cases against real crooks. They, they had, for example, the, the John Gotti case, the head of the uh, Gambino family of Cosa Nostra. Uh, I worked in the Southern District of New York under Rudy Giuliani in the 80s, where uh, Rudy really dismantled organized crime as we knew it for decades in New York. So you're talking here about you know, absolutely ruthless criminals uh, who made, you know, countless dollars over the years and did it through uh, murder and mayhem yeah. and intimidation. And you're comparing that to a, a guy who you don't like because he's your political enemy. And the worst thing that anyone has said that he did, and we'll have to see what, what these investigations come up with, but the worst thing anyone says he did is something that's that's done pretty routinely in New York, which is people who have assets 
uh, especially real estate, and this goes the Trump hardly invented this practice. Uh, they inflate the value uh, for purposes of borrowing money, uh, and they depress the value for purposes of paying taxes. That's you know, and, and that's uh, some of that. Not, Brian is not only uh, a practice; some of it is is kind of the way the law works because you have a certain tax valuation. Uh, of things that are based on what they were paid for at a certain date um, versus um, what the present value of property is. And it's very often true that you're, you know, you're, the, the tax value of something is different from right. what its actual value may be. So a lot of this is in the law, and you're allowed to do it, which is why these cases don't get brought very often. But, you know, look, we'll see. The one thing I would point out about the Trump case, and I've been following it pretty closely, I do agree that, uh, you know, by virtue of the fact that they brought in Mark Pomerantz to investigate the case, that is the uh, New York DA did, Pomerantz is a very serious guy. He was my criminal division chief in the Southern District of New York in the late 90s. He's an excellent lawyer. He's an excellent criminal practitioner. He's a terrific prosecutor. So he's a load. I mean, if he's taken over the case, it's a serious case. But what I would say at the same time, is I think the trigger for the case was this 13,000-word study that the New York Times did in late 2018 of the um, Trump organization's business practices, practices going de- back decades. So this goes back to the middle of the last century. It involves a lot of people other than Donald Trump, and no one's ever been charged. No one's ever been prosecuted. And it's getting late in the day to look at some of that stuff. Yeah, um, and Andy, he, oh, by the way, if he did something old. when he if he did something when he was president, got involved in his business, and he was told not to, I could see it. That he's getting additional scrutiny now simply because this is a, they started looking at things that they could have looked at at any point, but he became a public figure, a Republican figure, maybe a vilified figure, a figure, and they said, well, you know, I could make my career if I'm the one who take down the former president. I think this is a terrible habit. If they were taking down Barack Obama or Jimmy Carter, I go, what's going on here? It's nothing he did when he was president. Yeah, well, I think, Brian, one of the terrible things that's happened in the last, uh, it's probably later than the last quarter century, certainly the last uh, decade plus, is that law enforcement's become very politicized. Yeah. So, you know, it's always been true for ambitious prosecutors that political corruption cases were very attractive because you can make your career on those cases. And especially if you yourself as a prosecutor have political ambitions, and many of these prosecutors do, that's the kind of case that that you can launch your career with. So they're always attractive. But now I think um, they've got a, a political edge to them that they didn't uh, in the past because it's it's just become – uh, accepted that we do this banana republic routine now that we not it's not enough to defeat your political enemies we have to prosecute them too right and I would remind people that you know one of the more um, one of the things that history looks back on kindly that it didn't look very kind on when it first happened was when Gerald Ford pardoned Richard Nixon uh, after Watergate with the idea that this is America, and we got to sort of turn the page and move on. And you know, we don't go on a constant jihad against uh, our 
you know, political enemies who are, you know, down and out at a certain point. You have to move on with the business of the country. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, Andy, so would you say this is the most serious case and this uh, president's yeah. going to have to uh, really lawyer up and get top notch lawyers to fight it? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, Mark Pomerantz, as, as I said, is a very fine uh, prosecutor, and he's, you know, he's 69 years old. He's very accomplished in his life. At this point, Brian, I don't think he would need to do this. Um, so, I, you know, if, if he's come in to do this, and he's evidently been working on the case for uh, for months, helping Vance's office behind the scenes. Uh, I only say this because I know this guy. He's a, you know, I think right. he would not be doing this case if it was just a show. So I have to think there's something there. You got to see this something there. I know Don Jr. They're going after hard. Yeah, you know, I just think this. You know, on a, on a very local level, if you go and say my house is worth a million dollars, and the bank goes, okay, sounds good to me. Here's your money because you're taking a loan on the house. The bank's got to go check it out for themselves. Hey, this is how much Trump right. Tower is worth. Well, I mean, if you're talking about five hundred million dollars or whatever Trump Tower is worth, or two billion, whatever it is, don't you go check it out for yourself. You're not taking Donald Trump's word. So you're lying to institutions yeah. about what? And then people schooled us when these taxes came out, people like you, who said when it comes to commercial real estate at this level, sometimes you buy things just to get the depreciation on your taxes. And you know, you'll right. keep taking that as a loss. And people don't understand that because we have, we're, we have civilian taxes. We don't have these, you know, we're, we're not running in these billion-dollar circles nor looking to invest like that. But um, yeah, I want- that's that that uh, I was going to say that's exactly right. And, you know, the other thing we have to bear in mind when they're talking about fraud, which is what they're talking about, is this is not like, uh, you know, some sophisticated financial actor going after, uh, you know, mom and pop and the guy down in the street. These are all sophisticated financial actors. And there are tax lawyers and, and uh, all kinds of finance lawyers on both sides of every transaction. That's why it's so hard to prove fraud. These guys have their eyes open about what they're dealing with. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Andrew Cuomo. Uh, here's, uh, here's a look. Here's Sandra Smith reading out the allegations yesterday. Brand new allegations of sexual harassment against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo's former aide writing in a brand new essay slamming Cuomo for what she is calling unwanted touching and kissing and accusing the governor of suggesting the pair play strip poker. She also writes that she should have been shocked by the governor's comments, but she was not. The governor has denied these accusations before. So here's what uh, he said when he denied it about a few months ago, cut 15. It's not true, Zach. I fought for and I believe uh, a woman has the right to come forward and express her opinion uh, and uh, express issues and, and concerns that she has. Uh, but it's, uh, it's just not true. So uh, she says other people are going to come forward and support her, but just not yet. She's come forward again because she saw the way she claims uh, Assemblyman Kim was bullied by the president after he was berated a couple of weekends ago to the horror of his wife. So if you're Andrew Cuomo, what's your chief worry right now? Well, he's got a lot to be worried about. Um, my chief worry is not so much the sexual harassment case, although it seemed to me there was a lot more um, to that in the new allegations. This, this is a woman who came forward, uh, I think, in December, and now she's really, you know, sort of flushed out the story with more, not only more detail, but apparently there are emails and she can identify some witnesses. So 
I, I don't want to minimize that. I'd also point out that, you know, she's a progressive Democrat. She's yeah. A, for God's sake, she's like the, the uh, borough president of Manhattan, right, or she's running to be. Um, so it's not – this is not a political thing. Uh, so right now she seems to be to be very cre- uh, credible, but you have to look uh, – obviously we'll have to, you know, watch it as it goes along. I would say, Brian, his biggest worry is if, if as it appears – they gave any misleading information to the Justice Department when DOJ started asking them for what was going on in the nursing homes back in August. If it turns out that they undercounted the numbers, and you have to look at specifically what they were asked, which we don't know yet, they keep coming back and saying, we never lied about what the bottom line number of people who died was. But if they were asked specifically about nursing home deaths, and people who were related to nursing homes, and they fudged the numbers on that, that's a big problem for them because there are, there's federal civil rights laws, there's federal false claims laws, and there's also federal criminal laws that could all pot- potentially mm-hmm. apply to that. And that's kind of a black and white thing. You know, They ask you a question, you give an answer, and it's either true or it's not true. And you usually, in a false statements case, don't have, right. as a prosecutor – the fortuity of having the governor's top aide say, we're sorry we lied to you. <laughs> well, he's got a I mean, great habit. Uh, I, I don't follow New York politics that closely, but he seems to have a great habit. When things get tough, he throws people under the bus, like the guy he considered his brother in the Buffalo Project. And I'll, I'll ask you this. One thing, he did kind of answer this question. What's the difference they died, whether they died in a hospital or a nursing home? What's your answer to that? It, it depends on what you got asked. You know, if the question you were asked is what's the total number of deaths, then he's right. It doesn't make a difference whether, the, you know, as in terms of in terms of human tragedy, death is death. And whether it happens in a nursing home or a hospital, it's still equally tragic. The problem he has is I don't think that's what they asked him. I think they asked him how many people connected to nursing homes uh, died as a result of COVID. And he was running around saying that New York's nursing home numbers were better than the other states. And he had to know that that was because they were cooking the books as far as the numbers were concerned. True. And a couple of things. There's a movement now to take away his powers that are supposed to evaporate anyway, these absolute monarch powers that he has up until April. Here's Ron Kim yesterday. Uh, He's asking for this. Tell me if you think he'll get it. Cut 12. We're asking governor to immediately return all the hospital and nursing and lobbyist money, over $2 million that it took for for over the last few years, immediately rescind and repeal that toxic corporate immunity that led to more debts, turn over all the communication with the lobbyists to the press, to the journalists, and to the public, so we know exactly what you did. And lastly, we're dropping a letter to Congressmember Jerry Nadler to open up a congressional oversight hearing on this matter. And am I right? There's a prosecutor looking into this from Brooklyn. Are any of these things possible to get? Well, it's possible to get for the federal government with a subpoena. But, Brian, I would point out that what he's asking for, right, compare what he's asking for to what they asked Cuomo for beginning in the summer which was simply give us the numbers, the statistical numbers that you have to keep on the nursing homes uh, and the hospital deaths. And they weren't able to get that. So, you know, it'll be when pigs fly when when Cuomo starts opening his files and say, sure, look at all my correspondence with the lobbyists. Yeah, right, whatever you want. Yes, not going to happen. Don't hold your breath waiting for that.
Right. But, you know, look, if it gets bad enough, uh, the problem Cuomo has right now politically is that the left is after him just like the, the right is. He doesn't really have a lot of allies right now. Right. And he says that uh, his only he was only guilty of not calling out the lies earlier. That's why he wants to apologize, because he hasn't called out the <laughs> lies earlier. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, look, he, he's under siege and he's uh, – He's saying what pops into his head, and he doesn't have the media playing cover for him anymore. The problem he has, Brian, is he was the left hero against Trump. Once Trump was gone, they didn't need him anymore. So the hard left of the Democratic Party has turned on him, and these Justice Department investigations were already up and running uh, when the election was over. So. You know, he's getting it from the left and the right, and right now he doesn't really have any allies. Right, uh, and keeping everything closed, not pushing for schools to open or businesses to open, although yep. we do have 25%. That, that'll that make help ends, make ends meet, 25% occupancy in, in restaurants. Uh, Florida, Florida is basically having spring break every night and have better numbers than us. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. And I hope if you kind of go out tonight, you're part of the 25% that gets a seat inside. That's my wish for you. 25%. Yes. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Back in a moment. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Let's go right to the phones, one 408 7669 Will is in uh, listening on WABC in Long Island. Hey, Will. Hi, Brian. Um, I'm not a fan of Andrew Cuomo. Don't like the nursing home thing, but didn't like him long before that, even though he started out originally as a moderate. But this is a very dangerous moment in New York politics, because I think Assemblyman Kim is a real radical, you know, really at the extreme uh, left progressive. The progressives in New York, the AOCs, the I can name you several others, are relentless. They want to take him down for political reasons. If they can get rid of him and win the gubernatorial, which is would they have a good chance of getting you know winning a democratic primary it would be worse if you can imagine that in new york than it is now we already have a veto-proof legislature we have cuomo able to negotiate some things with a few moderate democrat senators maybe to keep things from totally spiraling out of control we would not even have that if they uh, if they succeed in this agenda so we need to think about this and really investigate. I would ask you to investigate. My last point is, Brian, I think you have great political talents. I'd like you to run for governor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I wouldn't run as a Democrat. I think that would be the problem. I'm honored for your recommendation and endorsement, Will. Kevin, also listen on WABC on Long Island. Hey, Will. Hey, Kevin. Hey, yeah, Brian. It's Kevin here. Uh, with regarding uh, um, before I was calling in about the um, – Biden and the teachers union and him not opening the schools. I'm retired after 25 years in education, and there's no way that all these teachers are voting for him. You know, so his people should wise up and they should open up the schools. Secondly, if I can add, I heard your discussion about Cuomo. Get a copy of a New York State death certificate. Somewhere in the top of the death certificate, it asks, was the patient transferred from another location? So you can track back if they pass in a hospital, did they come from a retirement facility or vice versa? And last, Brian, 
We're neighbors, pretty much. I live in Plain Edge off the Siemens Neck Road. You're sure. doing a great job. Thanks. Uh, and I lived, I, I grew up uh, very close to you. I'm just a little further away now. Uh, Kevin, that's a good point. But he's got to be honest about it. And I think he's going to just put his health inspector, uh, throw him under the bus this time. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. I appreciate you listening. Matt Schlapp is standing by. Man, he's the busiest guy in America getting uh, set for uh, the big conference this weekend. Uh, and I'll tell you what, there's a lot uh, of pressure on his shoulders because CPAC is something that uh, Republicans and conservatives specifically look to get together on and find out if they're on the same page and make people feel better after a win or after a successful or unsuccessful Election. It's been a mix. Now, people forget because you lost the presidency doesn't mean the Republicans didn't have success. I'll talk to uh, Matt Schlapp about that because getting back to the House and the Senate is first and foremost in 2022. Uh, we are getting besieged by terrible policies and ideology instead of what's better for the country. And I don't know how much longer we can take it. At the bottom of the hour, Dr. Nicole Sapphire will make heads or tails of, of, of what this administration is doing uh, with the shutdown lockdown. Nobody knows this. But the numbers are going down on hospitalizations, on deaths, as well as cases. Guess what's going up? Vaccinations. Why are they not talking about the good news? Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Nobody says the obvious. Teachers unions are totally corrupt and entitled and actively hurting your kids. People don't say that because teachers unions give a ton of money to politicians, to Democrats. But that changed this week, that cone of silence over teachers unions, when Adam Carolla went to war with the L.A. Teachers Union on social media. And they threatened his sponsors. COVID-19 rescue package, by the way, closes in on a vote. We'll bring you the latest on uh, uh, on the comedian versus the Los Angeles Teachers Union. Uh, that is Adam Carolla, of course, and he is not one to give up. And he's pretty much impervious to boycotts. Uh, we're going to give you the latest on the fight against COVID-19. Number two. Brand new allegations of sexual harassment against New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo's former aide writing in a brand new essay slamming Cuomo for what she is calling unwanted touching and kissing and accusing the governor of suggesting the pair play strip poker. Well, uh, the heat is on the so-called love gov of New York as sexual harassment allegations are added to his era-filled, life-costing nursing home policies. Yes, Governor Cuomo's in trouble, even if the other networks broadcasting cable refuse to cover it. Number one. Is there a better description? Is it kids in containers instead of kids in cages? What is the, the White House's description of this facility? Well, let me, let me give a broader description of what's happening here. Yeah, let's do that. The border bungle has the Biden team in crisis mode thanks solely to Joe's immigration policies. There's a huge surge at the border. Kids are housed in Trump style, uh, Trump style in a secure Stark facility as outrage builds. It's easier to be a pundit, perhaps, than a president. And that brings us in Matt Schlapp. Matt, you guys have a lot to talk about in a very short time. Describe what it's like in Orlando now as you prep for CPAC. Well, I think, first of all, people are just happy. They're happy that we're meeting they're happy that they can, you know, govern their own lives and decide to meet. The state of Maryland literally said that uh, th- that having CPAC was illegal. So we came to Florida, 
and the the spirit is really positive. They know how to do it. I mean, there's so many conventions down there, and Governor DeSantis is right in the middle in terms of cases, but the number one in terms of deaths and cases is California, and they're entirely shut down. Uh, Maryland, not much better with the Republican governor. Are you disappointed in Governor Hogan? Yeah, definitely, and I think that, you know, they tried things. I don't blame them. You know, it was a year ago at CPAC when they said we had a super spreader when we had one sick patient, but you know, they tried everything. They've acted like they're experts. And I just think they should have been honest from the beginning, Brian. They didn't know a lot about this virus. And we all had to learn together. And now that these experts, so-called in government, are continue to act like they know better than us. You know, it was now it's not one mask, it's two masks. It's the end of Thanksgiving and Super Bowl parties. They actually don't know what they're doing. And what DeSantis has done, I like to call him America's governor, what DeSantis has done, he's a smart guy, is he's just using reason and logic to try to make common-sense decisions. And his, think about this, Brian. There's no state in the nation that has a more skewed elderly population than Florida, but yet his cases are so much better than New York and California. You know, he didn't get an Emmy for what he did in Florida, but he should get the People's Choice Award. You know, I know you don't go into betting on different candidates, but in terms of a future, he has really earned his way to the top echelon for Republicans with a bright future, don't you think? Totally agree. And one of the reasons that I think conservatism does well when people see it as common sense, and that's really what our philosophy is, and uh, and that's what they're seeing in Florida. He's just making common sense decisions that are actually keeping people healthy. And by the way, it's not just on corona. It's about schools generally and churches generally being allowed to be open. And now he's taking on the social media companies and saying cancel culture needs to end. Yeah, he's saying if you drop any politician, deplatform them, you're going to get fined. And I think Texas is going to follow suit, just like I hope everybody else follows suit. What Texas is doing is suing uh, to stop the, the the pause on deportations. But just to tell you, I am not surprised when politicians play politics. But I am surprised when doctors do. And those people who think that Dr. Anthony Fauci is just cares about the science has not been paying attention. You watch as he celebrated going on Rachel Maddow's show. I've been trying to go on. They haven't been letting me get on your show. As if they go on the Rachel Maddow show for the comedians and the bands. You go out there because you agree with her. And listen to what he said the other day about you after you get vaccinated, what he still says you can and can't do. Cut 25. So there are things, even if you're vaccinated, that you're not going to be able to do in society. For example, indoor dining, theaters, places where people congregate. That's because of the safety of society. You yourself, what you can do, when you are together with another person, we are looking at that. Really, take your time. Do you believe this? A vaccinated person can't do indoor dining theaters? That's exactly what you're doing, and that's what exactly what you do in Florida right now. What is he talking about? I think that what it really shows is that the reason why they're now saying two masks after he said you don't have to wear any mask is he has no idea. He's just trying to have an answer for Rachel Maddow so it can sound like he's got a solution to keep the masses calm. And what he's saying about the vaccine is the vaccine maybe isn't going to work. That's what I hear when he says, boy, even when you get vaccinated, you still got to follow all these draconian rules. It's because it sounds like he has a doubt as to whether or not you, if you get vaccinated, you might still get some strain of the virus. Now, when you undermine the vaccine like that on Twitter or Facebook, you get flagged or banned. But you hear you have this supposedly brilliant doctor okay. Uh, telling us uh, telling us that uh, we're going to still have to stay in our basements. And this is the same doctor that told us we shouldn't even get near people, but if we wanted to go have sex parties 
that was fine. He's the most bizarre healthcare expert I think I've ever heard from. And he also said teachers, you know, it's kind of risky in the classroom. We'll have to see. But his daughter is teaching in a classroom. And there's so many examples of people teaching in a classroom. And the science says there's only 1%, there's only 1% of the spread comes from schools. He doesn't bring in the psychological part of it, and I hope that comes up this weekend at CPAC. But, Matt, uh, if, if we look at Republicans, you picked up 14 seats in the House. You need six to take the House and make Kevin McCarthy speaker. You didn't lose a single seat. Uh, full control of executive branches and legislatures in 24 states. You have redistricting control in 18 states. Things are primed for success of the midterms, but not if you're fractured. Not if Liz Cheney and Mitch McConnell are going against the, the MAGA group. And not if Adam Kinzinger wants a rival super PAC. What do you do about this? Well, first of all, you said politicians are going to be political. And the other thing you got to remember is politicians are going to do what they think plays well back home. And, uh, and that's what you see. You see a literal handful of Republicans who are making decisions they think are going to be good for their own careers. It's important to remember that the vast majority, 97% or 95% of Republicans are very pleased with what Donald Trump did as president, and they hold him in high regard. And if you're an establishment, more moderate Republican in D.C., and you're still chafing over the way Trump talks or tweets or whatever, you know, my advice is stow it. But, you know, if you want to talk about it, that's fine. But there are consequences to talking about it. And I'm okay with people being honest. I think, you know, I think Mitch McConnell's never really loved Donald Trump, and I think he just got real honest on the Senate floor. He has a right to do that, and Donald Trump has a right to respond to that. Now, eventually, we have to realize it's not just about the Republican elephant. It's about a coalition, and that coalition includes every American that despises socialism, despises lockdowns, despises taking nuns to court to make them pay for abortions, these extreme policies. If we can loop all these people together, we're not only going to take back the House and the Senate, we're going to take back the White House. So I'd say get over yourselves. It's not about you. It's about the country, and it's about including people you don't agree with on some things. Well, that's a big if, if you can come to get them to come together. So I saw this yesterday. I'm sure you did, too. Kevin McCarthy, with Liz Cheney behind him, was asked a question about CPAC. Let's listen. Cut 38. Do you believe President Trump should be speaking, or former President Trump should be speaking at CPAC this weekend? Yes, he should. Congresswoman Cheney? Uh, that's up to CPAC. I've, I've been clear in my views about uh, President Trump and, and the extent to which following, the extent to which following January 6th, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't believe that he should be playing a role in the future of the party or the country. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> so they laughed, but you saw Kevin McCarthy's face. He was upset. What about, what about Matt Schlapp's face? <laughs> I was on the McCarthy side on that, uh, on that give and take. I thought it was interesting. They both kind of like walked out of different doors on opposite ends of the room as well. Uh, you know, I like Liz Cheney. I consider her a friend. I think she is following her conscience. I really do. She believes that Donald Trump's foreign policy was a disaster. And I just think that most Republicans agree with him and disagree with her. Her numbers back home are terrible. And uh, I'd say to all of these Republican leaders, I get the fact that Trump made it difficult for you at, at times. Um, the only thing I'm going to remind everybody of is that when George W. Bush left office, he was very low in the approval uh, polls, unlike Donald Trump. And uh, Republicans started beating on him uh, when they thought they didn't have to deal with him anymore. There's always this kind of tension with legislators and with presidents. And I think the mistake that they are making is that they are thinking that the American people think that MAGA people are domestic terrorists 
who want to take over the government and destroy the capital. And where I think, I think fair-minded people realize those are bad criminal acts. They should go to prison. They should go. They should have the full extent of the law thrown at them. But that does not characterize uh, those MAGA voters that I got to know, millions of them around the country, who love this country. And the last thing they would ever do is try to do anything to imperil a Capitol Hill cop. But the the the, uh, the people I've never met, and I've been at other rallies, I've never seen any violence at Trump rallies except for when people try to break in and start breaking it up. Sometimes they'll get knocked around when he was a candidate, not so much when he was president. I've seen MAGA people get attacked when they came to demonstrate. Not many people were expecting this. But the whole QAnon Oath Keepers sect, what's your message to them, Matt Schlapp, as a guy who runs CPAC? Well, you know, uh, we were pro- uh, troubled with some of the posts that Marjorie Taylor Greene had put on her social media feeds. Uh, she seemed to be buying into some of these uh, conspiracy theories, and I applaud her for the fact that she said that she's rethought her positions on those things and she's deleted or disavowed those tweets. Um, you know, I do think that the national news media deserves a lot of responsibility for why so many millions of Americans are going to conspiracy theory websites to get information. I mean, there used to be information we had in common. And you could go to mainstream news. Yes, it might be a little left wing on its editorial page and was kind of rough on conservatives. But, you know, whether it was sunny or snowing was a fact that they could report. And since 90 percent of national news media has chucked that model to the model of we are, you know, in alignment with the Democratic Party, it has caused the American people to search for places to get news. And they're searching for places that actually are not legitimate news sites. But I don't think CNN is a legitimate news site either. Who decided not to cover the sexual allegation, uh, sexual assault allegations, harassment allegations against uh, Governor Cuomo. Not at all. I mean, not MSNBC, not any of the networks. It's nuts. The most high-profile governor in the country. And, Matt, my last thing is, if the, pre- the I know you talked to the president about his speech, and there's only so much you could do, especially Mercedes knows it working in communications. But it's hard to believe he's not going to attack those who did not vote, who voted for impeachment. What did you tell him, and what could you tell our audience about the speech that he's going to be making? Look, I think he's making up his mind about what he's going to put in the speech. The thing at CPAC, especially, is uh, he doesn't necessarily go by the teleprompter. I always say the. Donald Trump's teleprompter operator is the hardest working man in politics because you just kind of never know if he's going to follow it or not. So I think he's going to make up his mind as he goes. He has every right to take these people on who are calling him, you know, the worst of names, including a traitor or a domestic terrorist. Uh, I got no issue with that. But I do think the more time he spends talking about how we fight back on these socialist policies and these Biden policies and talks about the future, I think the more time he spends talking about that, I think it's going to be very heartening the half of this country that very much misses his voice. Right. And well, we'll see what's going to happen. Do you believe he's going to run again or do you believe he doesn't know yet? I think he's leaning towards running again, but I, I believe he doesn't know yet. And I think he believes that he's got a little time to make the decision. Uh, I think he's already made the decision that whether he runs or not, he's going to be very involved in politics. And I think that's good. I mean, Bill Clinton stayed involved in politics. Barack Obama stayed involved in po- politics. Barack Obama seems to, when he goes to the bathroom, people think it's like rainbows and lullabies. Uh, and uh, and I'd like to see a former president on our side stay involved in the game. Yes, he'll get bludgeoned and destroyed by the media as much as they can, but I think it'll be very good for conservative policy wins. 
Well, if uh, the Republicans are going to come together and have success in 2022, a lot of credit will go to you. Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, host of CPAC, and former political director for President uh, George W. Bush, and a constant brawler on networks that even that don't like him. Not this one, but others. I watched you with Chris Cuomo this week. <laughs> you did great. Did he listen? No, but I watched. Yeah, I either. yeah he doesn't listen. Uh, Matt, thanks so much. Best of luck. Thanks, Brian. You got it. Uh, bottom of the hour, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Get your questions ready if you have anything about uh, COVID-19. Brian Kilmeade Show calls next. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome back, everybody. Let's see if we squeeze in a few calls. Linda, you've been patient listening in St. Louis at 97.1. What's on your mind? Oh, hi. Hi, Brian. I just, um, pretending to the illegal immigrants and Americans are going to be paying for their food, housing, medical, prescriptions, and probably their college education. They are also paying for, which I just found out, is translators <laughs> because I was in my medical doctor's office and there was translators there translating for them. And I believe those translators are paid by social security. And we already know the social security system is straining right now. And uh, this is going to put us more into debt astronomically. I don't think people realize that. Plus the number of how many illegals are really here is is questionable too. They're saying it's much higher than what they're saying. No in the question. Media. I think it's like 25 million. They're saying 11. And the reason why that matters is the immigration proposal they're putting together is eight years. If you're here illegally, you have an eight-year path to citizenship. What are you talking about? That's part of an overall negotiation. Then you got to get rid of lottery. There's got to be some of this family stuff that you link to. You come over, then you can bring your whole family over. It makes you jump the line. There's got to be border security that goes along with it. You can't just unilaterally say, uh, I'm going to have an eight-year path to citizenship. We've been debating this for the last 20 years since Ronald Reagan came over. you got to finish off that wall, provide security, and then look at people that are already here. And they had an opportunity to do it. And pay no political price. The money's been spent. The wall is being built. It showed its effectiveness. It had technology involved. They could say, hey, what do you want me to do? I don't want to break the contract. He could still keep his Democratic base happy and still have some degree of border security. But he just blew it up, reversed all these policies, and now he has a mess and an um, an implausible proposal. When we come back, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, on the number one issue in your house, the pandemic. And good news on Johnson & Johnson and perhaps another vaccine after that. Why aren't we talking about the good news? Your questions, if you have them, write me. Uh, Go to to briankillme.com, click there, and I'll get to your questions on email. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. The media and Democrats were using this virus to promote fear and a political agenda. 
They wanted to scare people in order to control them, and they did it to push an agenda where really they could take over this country and change what America looks like. So we need to wake up and understand that this was calculated. It was on purpose. Uh, what she said confirms what we have thought and, and have said out loud for many, many months. And it should be alarming to the everyday, hardworking Americans who really do love this country. So that was Governor Kristi Noem in South Dakota. As you know, she said, live or let live. Here are the policies. This is what can keep you safe, but you're going to ultimately make your decisions. And she was in the middle of a surge, first very low in South Dakota, then it got a surge, and now the numbers are plummeting back down. Well, as they are for almost every state in the union, the numbers are dropping, the deaths are dropping, the hospitalizations are dropping. Over the last two days, uh, 39% in cases, uh, 30% in, uh, in hospitalizations, and about 20% in deaths let alone what's happened over the last six months. I don't have to tell our next guest that. She lives it. Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Fox News medical contributor, author of the upcoming book, Panic Attack, Playing Politics with Science in the Fight Against COVID-19. Dr. Sapphire, welcome back. Hey, Brian, happy to be on. Doesn't that play right to the theme of your book? (laughs) It really does. I was listening to that. I'm like, oh, it's like she's promoting my book for me. And and doesn't this worry you? That you, you sit there, you go to medical school, you talk to psychologists, you meet the people, but people is looking to use this to their political advantage. That's something they don't teach you in school. Well, so I can tell you, Brian, I mean, I have gone through many emotions up and down throughout the course of this year, just like anybody else. And when I was deciding that I really wanted to write a book about what we had gone through, you know, anybody could write a book about just the science or just the medical aspect of it. But I wanted to also take in and unveil the hypocrisy and hysteria that occurred from the rampant politicization of science. I mean, as you just heard, I mean, partisan foes really push forth their agendas uh, by inappropriately claiming science as their motivation. This has muddied the water, divided the country, and the whole knee-jerk anti-Trumpism truly just made it all worse. So what I do in the book I dive into the science. I dive into the truth behind many of the facets about the pandemic with the origin of the virus, concealment efforts, the delayed response by the World Health Organization, talk about school closures, face masks, hydroxychloroquine, everything you wanted to know. The truth in science is there, and we talk about how people um, manipulated it to, for their own personal gain. And right now we're still in the middle of it. If I told you last March that um – a year, the next March, we'd still be a situation where everyone's wearing masks and about 15 states would be in total lockdown. What would you have told me? Brian, I didn't think that it was going to get to the place that it got. Uh, some of it was because the virus turned out to be significantly more transmissible than we thought, more fatal. Um, but also, you know, we kind of missed the boat. We did not contain the virus like we should have. While we did a great job in the Northeast by lowering the cases early on, what happened? Everybody left the Northeast and went everywhere else across the country, and with them went the virus. But the fact is, other countries didn't control the virus. I mean, we, we see Germany, everyone's like, why can't we be more like Europe? They got locked down again. The U.K. got hit almost as bad as us. Our numbers are higher, but per capita— uh, maybe not quite as high, but I, it makes you wonder what the right thing to do is. When you see Florida able to live their lives and be aware of the virus as opposed to California, who lets it dominate their lives and lead the nation in deaths, 50,000. What do you take away from that? You know, Brian, I mean, it's interesting. So first of all, it's different. So the past flu pandemics, there were there was some level of existing immunity amongst the population. With SARS-CoV-2, 
Americans had no existing immunity for the most part from this. So we really started at ground zero. At this point, as you know, I mean, because we've had such high transmission levels, you know, we have a, a huge amount of adult Americans that have been exposed to the virus and have now natural immunity and then add on top of that the vaccine-induced immunity. So in that sense, we're really reaching, going to reach that herd, that level of herd immunity soon. When you start comparing the states, you know, people early on were really wanting to compare New York with Florida, and you yeah. cannot do that. But the comparisons between California and Florida are extremely interesting and really goes to show that if from the beginning you focus on protecting the vulnerable and doing everything you can to keep them safe and keep them out of the hospital, overall, you will do much better. And that is exactly what Florida did, and that is what they continue to do, and that is why they are no worse off than any other state. So listen to the different messages we're getting. I firmly believe for every medical doctor on, they have to have a psychologist on. Because you could say, I want to lock down, I want seniors locked down, stay out of the way. But the this, this psychological damage done to seniors, obviously in the, in, the sons, in the last years of their life, of keeping them locked away, has to play a role in their safety. Because if you have a if you have a if you have a vaccine that says you're 94 percent protected, a lot of people want to take that risk. But if they hear a doctor say, no, you can't. To me, that's the problem. I want you to listen to the mixed messages we get. One from Dr. McCarry, one from Dr. Fauci. Rather than even think about declaring victory and saying, well, we have herd immunity. We're in good shape. We've got to keep pushing and pushing because this thing could bounce back with the variants very, very quickly. And the reality is there's been a 77% decrease in daily cases over the last six weeks. That can only be explained by herd immunity from natural immunity, that is from prior infection kicking in. Our previous estimates on the prevalence of natural immunity were probably underestimating natural immunity. What do we believe? Well, hold on a second. So first of all, Dr. McCary and I are close friends, and he has blurbed both of my books for me. So clearly I love his opinion. And I tend to agree with him more. But when we're talking about the elderly, so yes, there is chance that we are going to have small bumps of cases with these variants. However, at this point, we have existing immunity, which we did not have at the beginning of the pandemic. So even though these variants may come, if you look at the data, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, their vaccines provide some level of immunity against the viral variant. So we will not be starting at ground zero again. But, you know, unfortunately, we, I, I just put out a paper yesterday on foxnews.com talking about this, our elderly specifically. While no one can blame Dr. Fauci and some of those other um, experts for not providing an an- absolute answer as to whether or not they can start seeing their grandchildren again or really going out again, um, following a year of isolation, protecting the vulnerable, the goal has been to keep them alive. But if we're not letting them live their lives, they're going to start wondering what that what is that life even worth saving? Because as we see, suicide, depressions are all up. People are living in solitude and getting vaccinated to save their lives. But we have to also let them get out and live that life that we have worked so hard to save. And Dr. Safai, why do you understand that? And you're uh, a, a medical in the medical profession and others don't. I want you to hear what Dr. Fauci said this weekend. He just put me over the top. My parents have already gotten their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren who obviously have not been vaccinated? What's your recommendation? You know, I'm not going to make a recommendation now except to say that these are things that we really do. I mean, literally every day, Dano. We look at that. We look at the data. We look at what's evolving about how many people are getting vaccinated. 
And there will be recommendations coming out. I don't want to be making a recommendation now on public TV. I, we want to sit down with the team, take a look at that. Uh, I was astounded by that. Double vaccination, no health problems, can't see your grandchildren, really? Well, you know, Brian, one of the things that I actually had a problem with that as well was he's saying, you know, it's probably going to be safe if every member of the family is vaccinated for them to get together. However, children are not going to be vaccinated anytime soon. So does that mean grandchildren cannot see their grandparents until children become vaccinated? And that is where, you know, I, I am I am okay not waiting for that randomized clinical trial showing you know, there will be decreased transmission once someone is immune or children won't be um, dangerous to their grandparents. What I would say is if the grandparents have full level of immunity and they want to see their grandchildren, they should absolutely see their grandchildren. However, everyone still has a choice to wear a mask. Vaccine-induced immunity, natural immunity are not 100%. We know that. We've heard numbers from 95%, 86%. So nothing is 100%. So if you are elderly, if you are vulnerable, you can still have the choice to wear a mask if you want to. But you don't have to be in fear, in isolation anymore. You have to have the confidence and the power knowing that you have a robust immunity that's going to give yeah. you a good chance of fighting off any infection if you were to be exposed to this virus. If anything in life, someone said you have a 95% chance of success, we're all taking that bet. Anytime, anywhere. Absolutely. Uh, I, I was, as I was saying earlier, it's more of a bet for me when I get on the subway. I'm less worried about that than I am the virus. Uh, I don't really feel as though um, I'm a, you know, any daredevil. But I want you to hear what he also said about schools. Would you feel comfortable going into a classroom and teaching? Um... What, what I feel comfortable, um, you know, it's tough because I've not been in that situation. I could tell you I have a daughter who I adore who is actually doing just that right now as we speak. Okay. I, I understand you don't want to be responsible for anyone's death and destruction or illness. But he knows only 1% of transmission takes place in schools. And his daughter's able to do it. What is wrong with saying... I would go into a school and teach. I know the risk is X, Y, and Z. But they continue to say, sit down, shelter in place, don't try it yet. Time is not on our side for second graders, for sixth graders, for ninth graders. We have the suicide rates going up for 11th and 12th graders. They say they're out of, I don't have to tell you, they say that psychological and psychiatric institutions are all filled up. They have people have to go to emergency rooms. You're talking about adolescents. Why can't he balance that out with what he's saying? Well, Brian, you know, I'm a mother of three. I myself have seen the effects of these lockdowns on my children. Um, we are having more children come to the emergency department because of mental health issues. And we really have to stop saying no to everything and clearly explain what the bar is to get to yes. Now, I find it to be a slap in the face when people are saying are questioning the safety of teachers getting back to school because they're around children. What about every other person who has continued to work for the past year without a vaccine? Yes, a year later, we should all be confident that we have a pretty good idea how to protect ourselves from SARS-CoV-2. If a teacher is concerned about catching the virus, there is nothing stopping her from wearing an N95 mask, a triple layer surgical mask with a cloth mask over it. I mean, they and they also the children are wearing masks too in most schools. They're socially distancing. This is how we 
stop coronavirus from continuing to circulate. Children are not spreading it throughout the schools. And study after study is showing us the people who are bringing this virus into the school systems are actually the teachers and the employees, and they tend to spread it amongst themselves. That big study that looked at 90,000 children all across the country, there were 32 instances of in-school transmission. Zero was from a child to an adult. So if the teachers are afraid of getting the coronavirus, then it is on them to take more responsibility and not bring it into the school. And look, if you're going through cancer treatment, we're not talking about you. If you have tuberculosis or you have uh, severe asthma, there's things that, for example, uh, my neighbor got contact traced as a teacher. She, She sat on Zoom and a teacher's aide helped. She was able to watch her class help the teacher's aide because she was contact traced. So there are things you can do because teachers are usually the most dedicated people in the world. They care so beyond their salary. I, I hate lumping them into people that don't want to work. But, the, but the, someone's got to go to, to bat for children. And it doesn't seem like any of these doctors understand there's a downside to waiting it out. Dr. Nicole Sapphire, real quick, the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine, they say it's only 67% effective. Does that mean we should wait for the other? Hold on. No, no, no. We have to we have to truly celebrate the fact that Johnson & Johnson has come out with such great data. Yes, the overall efficacy in preventing disease was 66 percent, including all of the variants. But the efficacy in preventing severe illness was about 85 percent. And that is the goal here. The goal is not to get to zero. We just need to keep people out of the hospital and we need to continue saving their lives. And again, they, this study went on while we have these circulating variants. So we actually have data showing Johnson & Johnson works against some right. of these variants that we, we fear so much. And not to mention, it's only a single shot. So you're already building that immunity after that single shot. It doesn't require the same um, storage. It's, it's phenomenal yeah. news. Three to four million doses will be available within the next couple of weeks, according to Johnson & Johnson, if they get approved by the FDA with the EUA. I mean, this... Uh, hopefully they can ramp up their manufacturing. They're a little delayed in that, but single shot dose can really help us boost us towards that herd immunity. We're trying so hard to get to a voice of reason in the medical community. Dr. Cole Sapphire. Thanks so much. Pick up her book or pre-order her book, panic attack, playing politics with science in the fight against COVID-19. You can pre-order it now. Uh, Dr. Sapphire. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Great job. Uh, Back with your calls in just a moment. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. It's uh, time to find out if there's indeed more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Bruce Springsteen has pled guilty to one charge in his DWI case. He paid 500 bucks and he is free. He's got a clean record. He blew a .02, admitted he had a couple of shots of tequila on his motorcycle in the middle of an afternoon in a park. For one thing, what's Bruce Springsteen doing in the middle of the afternoon in a park? In the winter, in February, but I guess his his case is now dismissed, right? He's Bruce Springsteen. He can go anywhere he wants. Reckless driving, uh, dismissed on both charges. Uh, but I will tell you, something weird is still there. Good news for him. The Jeep ad that he cut on uh, for the Super Bowl is now reinstated. He wants the country to come together. Meanwhile, he's a left-wing zealot. Next. 
Fox News Channel and ESPN topped the list in beta research's fall 2020 cable operator study evaluating the value of basic cable networks to cable operators. Take that, those politicians that want cable companies to ban us. That will help us stay on. A dollar and one cent is what Fox News is worth. ESPN, 99 cents are the, are the top two. ESPN, two, 91 cents. And CNN, 83 cents. Uh, dis- then it goes Discovery, Disney, Discovery, Food Network, NFL Network. Next, plan for the January 6th Capitol Riot Commission sparks partisan fighting. You know why? It's not like the 9-11 Commission when you had, a, had enough, the same uh, number of Republicans as Democrats. They only want to give four slots to Republicans, and they really think the 11-person committee is going to be fair and balanced in their assessment. This is going to, uh, they're going to just point their fingers and their uh, accusations right at President Trump. Don't you agree? Yeah, we just need to just give us something fair, nonpartisan, down the line, the nuts and bolts and the facts. That's all we need. I know because there's a lot going on. Who? Why did the FBI not tell the Capitol Police why they did that? There's going to be a problem. What did they actually pick up? And what does the Republicans have to do with the Oath Keepers? Uh, what were they doing there and with their rehearsals as well as QAnon? That's a problem. Next, Republican senators have sent a letter to Jeff Bezos asking why Amazon pulled a book from a conservative author. You know, they did that same thing with um, uh, Senator Josh Hawley. Now the book was this book about transgender issues was pulled. And I think this is totally wrong. It turns Sally is called the name of the book is called When Harry Became Sally, responding to the transgender moment. Why are they pulling books? Everybody just seems so afraid. And Amazon spokesman did did not have a comment, but they said in a statement that the company reserves the right not to sell certain content based on its content guidelines for books. Right, but I, I guess it's a, I guess it's an open market. I guess you can make your own decisions. But Amazon is such a staple of book orders. I don't remember any books out there that they've actually banned. And I'm sure some murderers wrote books too, and that's still able. You're still able to get it or download it. Something weird's going on. Go to BrianKillMeatShow.com. Order or get our show anytime, anywhere. And don't forget to order our podcast. Thanks so much for listening and keep it here. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.